I have this belief that when you get a dog from a shelter, you don't get the dog you need or the dog you want. You get the dog you need. And I feel pretty certain that that's true. My husband and I adopted Lola from the Phoenix, Arizona Animal Rescue about 15 years ago. And at the time, the conditions of her tragic backstory were unimportant to us. It didn't matter that because she had been born deaf and there was little or no chance that she could be sold, she was brought to the shelter and abandoned in the lobby when she was only five weeks old. And it didn't matter to us that in order to get her, my husband was going to have to drive from our home in Salt Lake City to Phoenix, rent a car, drive an hour and a half to the shelter, pick Lola up, and then make the 11-hour journey back to Salt Lake in a single day. And what might surprise you even more is it didn't even matter to us that when Matt got to the shelter to pick her up, not only was she the Dalmatian that we had been promised, she was also part pit bull. Because you see, what mattered to us was that she was a spotty girl with floppy ears and a wagging tail who was in need of a good home. When Matt brought her home, our other dog Opal took a shine to her and they became fast friends. I can't tell you if Opal knew that Lola was deaf, but I can tell you that she knew in an instant that something was different about her and that Lola required special care and special attention. Whenever they slept, they slept back to back touching so that if one would awaken, the other would also. And if they were out in the yard and I wanted them to come in, all I had to do was open the back door and call for Opal and she would turn and head for home, but not without tapping Lola with her nose first to let her know that she was wanted inside as well. They had a powerful bond and they were almost inseparable. But one day Opal died. She had a heart condition that we didn't know about, a valve blew, and she was gone in an instant. Opal's death was devastating for Lola. Within a month, her behavior became increasingly erratic, increasingly unpredictable, and increasingly aggressive. None of the aggression was ever directed at me or my husband, but every day the list of triggers was growing longer. Unfamiliar people, unfamiliar places, quicker sudden movements, hats, sunglasses, cargo pants, anything could set her off and provoke an attack. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> anything could set her off and provoke an attack. We contacted our vet out of desperation, and he contacted other vets, and they determined that really nothing could be done. We probably should just put her down. Now Matt and I knew that that was a possibility, and we would have done it if we had to, but we felt we had to at least try to help her before we went that route. Fortunately, we found a trainer who specialized in dealings with dogs with aggression issues, and Roxanne's take on our situation made a lot of sense. She felt that because Lola had been taken from her mother and litter mates so early and left in the shelter for so long, she was drastically under-socialized. And because she was deaf, she was extremely fearful. With Opal, she had a guide. She had someone to help her make sense of a world she didn't understand that often frightened her. And without her, every new situation held the possibility for her flight or fight reaction to kick in. The solution was simple. All we needed to do was find another Opal. But there was no guarantee that any dog we could find would be willing to step in for the, will the missing Opal. And I was concerned that there was no guarantee that even if we could find that dog, that it would outlive Lola. And maybe we would be again in this situation in five or 10 years. So what made the most sense to me is that I would become the guide. I would be the one to help her make sense of the world. 
And so with Roxanne's help, Lola and I embarked on a training program that would have crushed Caesar Milan. Every morning we did an hour of obedience work, and the point of that was to increase Lola's trust and to teach her to follow my lead. And then every afternoon, I would leave work and come home and get her, and we would go for a walk. And this was our opportunity to put the skills that we had learned in the morning to use in the real world. I'm not going to lie, I hated that part of our training. Lola was bigger, faster, and stronger than me. And if I failed to keep her behavior under control, there were real and serious consequences. I'm sure you can imagine that approaching people was my greatest fear. And so I took to calling out in a panicked voice, please stay away from me, my dog can't hear, and she can be aggressive. But what Roxanne told me was, by doing that, I was taking all my fear and anxiety, sending it down my arm through the leash right to Lola. It was as if I was saying to her, I'm freaking out. You should freak out too. Let's freak out together. In my experience, freaking out doesn't really help too many situations, and this one was no different, so I needed a new strategy. I took to repeating the mantra, be calm, be calm, be calm as I walked. And after months of training, Lola's behavior started to turn around. I remember one walk in particular. I was busy at work and I didn't really have time to go home for our training, but I was committed to it. So I left work, leashed Lola up, and we headed off to the gully that was near our home. Now I'd like to say I chose the gully because it was a beautiful walk, which it was, but I didn't choose it for that reason this day. I chose it because at 4.30 in the afternoon, no one would be down there, and Lola and I could make short work of the training, and I could get her back home and get back to work in no time. As we approached the gully, though, I saw a group of young men standing by a car about 20 feet from the entrance. They had on baggy jeans and tight white t-shirts and lots of tattoos. And as we approached, one young man stopped and stared at me and I could see that he had a barbed wire tattoo that wrapped around his neck twice and then the ends of which trailed down his bare arms. He stared at me for a while but then went back to talking to his friends and since they were paying me no mind, Lola and I entered the park. We went down the stairs and right as we hit the bottom stairs, I heard them coming in behind me. Be calm, be calm, be calm. Lola and I kept walking, and after about five minutes, I was brave enough to turn around and see if they were still following me, and to my relief, they were not. We finished our walk, and as we were coming out around the last bend to get to the exit, they were waiting for me. They were there. I stopped, and I knew there was no way out unless I crossed through them. And so I called to them and said, my dog is extremely aggressive. I am training her. She is a pit bull. They looked at me, they looked at Lola, and they stepped aside. They formed two lines on either side of the trail, almost like a gauntlet for us to walk through. I held Lola's leash tight, be calm, be calm, be calm, and I started through. And as I walked through, I looked up and noticed that many of them were not the young men that I thought they were. They were boys. They couldn't have been more than 12 or 13 years old. And when I got to the end, I looked at one and smiled, and he smiled back. And then he said, hey, lady, that's a cool dog. 
And without thinking, I turned around and said, she is cool. She's deaf and she can't hear. She knows sign language. Would you like to see what she can do? They formed a semicircle around us. And I stepped back, dropped Lola's leash, and I asked her to come, and she came. I asked her to sit, and she sat. I asked her to lay down, to roll over, to give me five, to give me 10, to give me knuckles, and all the tricks that we had worked on all those months every morning. And then was time for the big finale, my favorite of the tricks, the one that I think that Lola hated the most. I believe she felt it was undignified but she would do it because I asked her. She would stand there and I would say, bang, bang. She would walk around in a slow circle and then slump down to the ground with a groan. But she would not lay her head down because she was a tough girl. So I had to say, bang, bang again. And she would lay her sweet head down in sweet repose. The boys erupted in laughter and applause. I grabbed Lola's leash, and I told them that for Lola, this means good girl. This means really good girl. And then that young one that smiled at me said, well, lady, you need to teach her that this means ultra good girl. <laughs> Lola and I left the park that day on cloud nine. And I'm happy to say that her good days far outnumbered her bad for the next 12 years. And when I think back on her, I like to believe that in some way I helped her meet the challenges that this life dealt her. But if I'm honest with you, it is she who helped me. Thank you. Thank you.